Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, July 17th, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I I think I sound a little bit better today. I know yesterday was tough. It was just not fun for me to record and I had to stop the recording every like two minutes to take a drink of water and like clear my throat. It was just a disaster. I went to the doctor today, got some new meds for these damn allergies and, uh, and doing better, feeling better. Uh, so hopefully that'll continue throughout the show today. Uh, on today's show, uh, Stephen Brooks is going to join us. Stephen uh, writes for 247sports.com, covers Michigan State football and basketball there. Stephen was at uh, Moneyball the other day and got a chance to speak with Joey Hauser. Joey uh, is the recruit from uh, Marchetti, transferred uh, him and his brother Sam. You remember the, the Hauser brother saga throughout the uh, the spring there. And uh, Joey ends up at Michigan State after you know just nearly picking Marquette over Michigan State in his actual uh, out of high school recruitment. And so you know Joey's back. Uh, in Michigan, or Joey's at Michigan State. He's arrived on campus, uh, team meetings, practices, and uh, did his uh, had his first debut at Moneyball. Got to see him play. Uh, Stephen was there. Talked to him after a little bit about his decision. So we'll talk to Stephen about the piece he wrote on that. I think I'll do that segment three, uh, segments one and two. I want to talk uh, some football here. Kind of a mixed show. Um, Big Ten Media Days coming up here uh, starting tomorrow, so we'll have some stuff to talk about with that uh, as the day goes along tomorrow. I might do, and we'll plan for a later Thursday podcast, like I'll post it Thursday after Big Ten Media Days on Thursday, Uh, but it might be Friday as well. We'll see what uh, is shaking out at Media Days, if anything interesting happens or needs to be addressed, because after this episode, we'll have one more episode this week, and whatever we don't get to this week, we'll get to uh, on next week's show. I'm going to have some people on uh, to talk about media days and as we start to turn the page here for football season. So, uh, I want to do that. And then with that, uh, I'll probably, yeah, I'm going to start with this, uh, preseason poll that we've got for the big 10, uh, where Michigan state's at, who's picked to win it and all that fun stuff. So we'll talk about that, uh, a little bit of football here to get us going. And then we'll finish with, uh, Steven Brooks and Joey Hauser to close the show. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on wherever you get podcasts. You can find Locked on Spartans. Head on over to iTunes, give a five-star rating, leave a review, do whatever you want. I don't even care. Actually, I do care. Leave a five-star review. That's just, you know, it's nice. It's nice for you to do that, and I, I always appreciate it. Also, SpartansWire.usatoday.com, starting next week, we will have uh, the first inaugural ever MSU gift tournament starting on Monday, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. I'll be tweeting it out at uh, Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores, and I'm still taking submissions. I know the summer's kind of winding down a little bit. In a few weeks, we'll jump back up to four episodes a week. And then a few weeks after that, we'll jump back up to the full schedule of five episodes a week. But if you do want to join the show, you still can. There's still time. Send me an email, lockedonspartans at gmail.com. If you want to join for a segment, co-host the segment with me, uh, shoot me an email, pitch me what you would want to talk about, and we'll figure it out, get something on the schedule and get you uh, 
recorded. So we, we've done, I think, four of those, four or five of those throughout the summer. They've all gone well. They've been a lot of fun. And the, everyone who did it uh, really enjoyed the process. So if you want to do that, email me, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about some football. Okay, so this is uh, an interesting little quirk with the Big Ten. Uh, usually with other conferences, and this was the case with the Big Ten uh, until 2011, uh, all the other conferences, uh, as sort of a lead-in to media day, announced their preseason polls, preseason player of the year, preseason first team. All that stuff gets released and is handled by the conference. Uh, they survey media members that cover each team in the conference and, you know, uh, SEC na- or regional writers, I guess it wouldn't be national, but regional writers for different conferences. Uh, and they do their little things and the conference puts it all together and announces it as an official thing of the conference. Well, the Big Ten doesn't do that because the Big Ten does things really weird uh, and is sometimes kind of dumb. Uh, and I would th- I would argue that getting rid of preseason polls and preseason player of the year, preseason Big Ten team, while those things don't mean anything, uh, getting rid of it is kind of a dumb move for a conference because that stuff generates interest. It generates content. It, it If you search Big Ten poll right now on Google, which I did to just get to the actual article, uh, every single team or market related to a team has a poll or has a post based on this poll that cleveland.com does. Like the Detroit News, Free Press, MLive has stuff. Uh, We have stuff up at the Spartans Wire. Everyone's got stuff up about it. It's clearly something people care about. So I don't know why the Big Ten did away with it. But they did. And now cleveland.com, thankfully, stepped up to the plate. And they've been taking care of it since 2012. What they do is they survey uh, the or 2010, excuse me, uh, they've been doing it since 2011. Uh, They survey beat writers for each team, and then they survey Big Ten writers who cover the conference as a whole, uh, and they come up with a a point system, one point for first place vote, seven points for last place vote in the the division, and they come out with these rankings. So uh, in their 2019 preseason poll uh, from 34 writers around the Big Ten, Michigan has been predicted as the preseason favorite in the Big Ten. They are the favorite in the Big Ten East with 20 first-place votes. Ohio State comes in at number two with 14 first-place votes. Um, As for the Big Ten champion overall, uh, Michigan has been predicted uh, by 17 writers to win the conference. 14 chose Ohio State, two picked Nebraska, and somebody picked Northwestern. Uh, that person needs to show themselves. <laughs> I understand. Uh, I obviously I understand the Michigan and Ohio State picks, just given the the trends, what happened last season, and the pedigree uh, of the programs. To pick Nebraska, I can get behind that a little bit because, or at least understand where they're coming from, because Scott Frost is in year two. Uh, what he has done, what he did at UCF, turning that program around, the improvement Nebraska showed from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, the recruits they've brought in. Uh, a number of different factors, and it's under you know it. It's not crazy to think Nebraska could win the Big Ten West, and if they're really good, they could certainly challenge for the Big Ten. So only two people pick Nebraska. I get that. I don't know what the person picking Northwestern was thinking. Yes, Northwestern won the West last year. Yes, Northwestern 
has proved to be a, a pretty steady, competent football program that can get you 10 wins, can win seven or eight conference games, can do a good job and be a, a good, competent football program. They have never once shown that they could actually truly beat the elite of the elite in the Big Ten. Uh, if they match up against Michigan, if they match up against Ohio State, even Michigan State, uh, if a Michigan State team or a Penn State team, if they're good enough to get to Indianapolis and win the Big Ten East, uh, that team is going to steamroll Northwestern. I don't understand picking Northwestern, but I digress. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, but it's just uh, this year uh, appears to be the year for Michigan, uh, and that is, I don't know, funny in some ways, uh, not surprising in some ways, uh, exactly what you would think a bunch of writers would do because there is an infatuation with Michigan, with Jim Harbaugh, despite them not playing for the Big Ten title at all during his first four years, despite them not beating top 10 teams during his first four years, despite them not beating ranked teams on the road during his first four years. All the things you need to do, all the really hard things to do to win a Big Ten championship. Like We all know that Michigan's going to be really good. Ohio State's going to be really good. Uh, they're going to win a bunch of games. And Ohio State has proven time and time again that that they can go into tough environments, win must-have games to win the division, to win the Big Ten. Uh, Ohio State's proven that. Michigan State's proven that somewhat uh, over the last seven, eight years. You know, things haven't been great a couple of seasons, but other seasons they've really, you know, going into Ohio State, getting that win, winning in Penn State, winning uh, at the Big House. Uh, they've shown the ability to at least do that. Penn State has even won some big games, big games on the road, uh, won the Big Ten. They've, they've shown to do that, but Michigan has shown the inability to do anything near that. Uh, in fact, they've shown more the ability to just kind of crap on their shoes uh, in these scenarios. Uh, yet they are the pick for the Big Ten East there, the pick for the, the Big Ten uh, 222 points for Michigan, Ohio State's 214. Michigan State comes in at third in the Big Ten East at 156, and Penn State's 154. So really, you know, neck and neck there. And then there's Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers rounded out. You know, Indiana and Maryland are at 86.5, 82.5, and Rutgers is a distant seventh at 37, uh, which means a couple people didn't pick them to finish last. Um, <laughs> bold. But... There's pretty clearly, uh, according to the media uh, that covers the Big Ten, three tiers in the Big Ten East. There's Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Indiana, and Maryland, and then a fourth tier that we don't even need to really concern ourselves with, which is Rutgers. And so, you know, I, I if I was surveyed in this, uh, I'll just say it that way, uh, I would have Ohio State as the favorite in the Big Ten East. I would have Ohio State as the favorite in the Big Ten Partially because their talent level is uh, a notch above the other schools and partially because they are the champs. And until they kind of, you know, you want to sort of be predictive and think, okay, this is the year, but we haven't really seen, I don't know. I mean, yes, losing Urban Meyer is going to hurt, but Ryan Day, by all accounts, appears to be really competent. There's a reason they hired him. Ohio State could have had anyone they wanted in the country outside of four coaches, five coaches, uh, and they decided to go with Ryan Day. I think that says a lot about him. And so uh, I think that they're going to be in capable hands. And until 
you know, Michigan State, Michigan proves otherwise. I think Ohio State still kind of has to be the respected top dog in the conference. It's a little too early for me to jump on Nebraska. I think they'll get there eventually. Uh, it's a little bit more of a log f- or dog fight, log jam. I said log fight instead of dog fight and log jam. Uh, Nebraska, Iowa are really close to each other at one and two in the West. Wisconsin's right there. Northwestern's not far behind. And then Purdue and Minnesota, they're all kind of grouped together there. And then you've got Illinois picked last unanimously, which is just fantastic for Illinois football. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's kind of a, a typical thing that you would expect, uh, the, the love for Michigan is seemingly never ending, especially during the Harbaugh tenure, despite the fact that there just isn't too much, uh, evidence to back it up on the field. Yes. Michigan's going to be good. Yeah. They're going to win nine or 10 games for sure, but are they going to be able to get over the hump and win, uh, you know, the big games that they've repeatedly shown the, the, that they just haven't been able to do. Uh, I don't know yet. And I wouldn't be confident voting for them uh, to win the conference until, you know, maybe until Jim Harbaugh won an actual major conference championship. Uh, That would certainly help alleviate concerns I would have if I was someone who was supporting Michigan football or thinking Michigan football, this was going to be their year. But, you know, the the pressure's kind of ratcheting up down there. Uh, It's going to be a really interesting season in the Big Ten, I think. Anyone in the Big Ten East of the top four, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, could really have a say at this. Penn State always has great talent. Jim or James Franklin, you know, does a lot, gets ripped on a lot as a bad game day coach, and they lose their offensive coordinator. They lose Trace McSorley. Um, you know, uh, uh, two years after losing their offensive coordinator, how does that offense look? Is Penn State going to be able to finally start putting things together? They lose a quarterback to a transfer, so there's some question marks there. Uh, Michigan State's going to have the best defense in the conference. Uh, what does the offense look like? Is Michigan State going to actually make changes and be a competent offense? If it's a competent offense, they have just as good as chance as anybody to win this uh, the East and win the conference. It's going to be a really interesting season, so... That's uh, that's the major poll. That's the only preseason poll we'll get here uh, from the Big Ten media. It's not uh, a surprising poll, maybe a little bit in the fact that everyone seems to be kind of jumping on Michigan a little bit more than usual. Uh, just for posterity's sake, here are the track records of this poll. Uh, dating back to 2011, the writers picked Nebraska to win. Wisconsin won. 2012, they picked Michigan. Wisconsin won. 2013, they picked Ohio State. Michigan State won. 2014, they picked Michigan State. Ohio State won. 2015, they picked Ohio State. Michigan State won. 2016, they picked Ohio State. Penn State won. And the last two seasons, they picked Ohio State, and it was Ohio State. So they got the last two right, but were uh, 0 for 6 prior to that. So maybe, um, just maybe not being picked as the Big Ten favorite by the media might be a good thing for Michigan State. All right, let's take a break right there when we get back. Well, actually, I'm going to call an audible here, moving the Stephen Brooks stuff up here for a segment too. Uh, So we'll do that after uh, this quick commercial break. We'll talk with uh, Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports about Joey Hauser and his decision to transfer to Michigan State. You can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcasts Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Happy to be joined now by Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. Friend of the show, Stephen, how you doing today? Thanks for making some time for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, like we were just started talking about off air. I'm getting kind of jazzed up to go to Chicago and uh, yeah. talk to some some players and coaches. And uh, you know, it's, it's just really starting to feel like football season already, which um, I didn't expect yeah. to happen so soon. I guess we are a week early, you know, yep. traditionally uh, for media day, but uh, it's really starting to feel real, which is pretty exciting to me. Yeah, I know we're turning the page. Um, you're gonna have to ask some really mean question to Jim Harbaugh for me because I would do it if I was going. But it snuck up on me, like you were just saying, and I forgot to put in a credential request through USA Today. Uh, yeah. So I will not yeah, be going not to be, be me. <laughs> that's not going to yeah. be me. I remember last year's incident, and uh, that's definitely not going to be me. <laughs> Who asked that? <laughs> Who was? I remember that was I an amazing. I do not know. I honestly don't know. I never saw him again, I don't think. Yeah. To be quite was... honest with you, but uh, it was amazing. It was some MSU blog, and he just talked about for 30 seconds how much Coach Harbaugh had failed. <laughs> yeah, and, and somewhere there, wasn't, yeah, there might there have been a question. <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, you suck. Respond. <laughs> <laughs> you are the most overhyped coach ever. How do you respond was pretty much the question. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, um, I would be a little bit more respectful, but not much. I'd have an actual question. Anyway, um, you're going to have fun there. We'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks to get sort of your feel from media day. And as we start, like you said, turning the page here, football's coming. But today we're talking about basketball. And you got the chance to talk with Joey Hauser uh, at Moneyball, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's uh, finally arrived. He has started to work out and different things like that, made his Moneyball debut. And you got to talk to him about uh, why he chose MSU. It's called the the pieces Izzo at the heart of Joey Hauser's decision to transfer to MSU. You can read it at 247sports.com. Let's start here. Um, what did you think when you were talking with Joey was the most interesting thing he had to say just about the process and how he ended up at Michigan State? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I guess maybe just, uh, you know, that I guess sort of one of my takeaways was, well, why weren't you here to begin with? Because he mm-hmm. had so many good things to say about Michigan State. Um, you know, he said they were in his top two. Um, he said, you know, that him and Tom Izzo had a relationship even during his time at Marquette. And that Izzo was reaching out to the family and sort of stayed in touch, even while both brothers were at Marquette. So um, he had so many good things to say about the program and specifically to Izzo that it was almost like, well, why didn't you end up here in the first place? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, you can also kind of imagine why, you know, you're the younger brother. He's always kind of done what, what his older brother Sam's always done. And you can kind of naturally, um, you know, see how he would reach that conclusion to go to Marquette and, and whatnot. And, by all accounts, Sam was enjoying his time there and everything. So it's not like he was, uh, it's not like he thought he was setting himself up for a bad situation or anything. But, uh, yeah. he had a lot of good things to say about Tom Izzo and just the legacy of success and, um, his relationship, you know, just person to person and things like that. That was really the central theme of, of what he was talking about, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Was Izzo, do you think, in that communication? We've heard different stories about, how he seems to be someone who genuinely cares about the the people that he's recruiting and the families. And like you said, stayed in touch with them. Was that kind of the big deciding factor for him? Um, I think he was always enamored by Izzo. I think, you know, it was really close uh, at the end of the day. Um, even if Izzo hadn't been talking to him, you know, it wasn't that long ago, about a year and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. between his recruitment and all that. Um even if he hadn't, he probably still could have picked up the phone and, and they would have had, you know, a, a decent relationship there. Um, but yeah, that's real. You know, uh, I know people that, that are outside the MSU bubble has sort of varying his opinions on his, uh, that he complains or that, um, 
<laughs> there's some people out there that think he doesn't play by the rules and stuff uh, somehow. But those that are, like, sort of inside the bubble and know, like, that's just who he is. He's genuinely, by all accounts, as far as I know, as far as most people I talk to know, just a genuine dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can totally believe that. You know, my one year covering him, I, I already totally get that sense. I, I don't have any doubts that he was just, you know, here and there sending a text, making a call, just checking in with the family because I think that's just who he is. I don't think it's re- I don't think he's really wired to sort of have these, um, you know, flyby relationships. I think I think once he once he wants to get to, get to know you, he's pretty all in. Yeah, he's a youper, and I spent time in the UP. <laughs> my first job was in Marquette. I was there for three years. Uh, that's that's a youper. Uh, they they uh, they don't half uh, ask things. They they go all in. Uh, so Joey's arrived on campus now. Did you get to talk to him a little bit about um, you know, what the first few days are like, and and really what's the process? That's a big move for a kid, uh, transferring from Marquette, transferring away from your brother. Uh, having, you know, not having that family tie like right next to you at all times. Did you get to talk to him at all about uh, what it's been like his first few days at MSU? Yeah, yeah, he touched on that. Um, he said it was a, a, a quick and easy process, um, were sort of his words in terms of just getting acclimated, you know. Um, he was already familiar with the program from afar. He'd been on campus before, and he said it was pretty seamless. Um, you know, he got here on a Saturday night. And the next day they had a team meeting and they they got some shots up together. And uh, he said he was a little nervous just because he didn't know any of the guys personally and everything. But um, mm-hmm. other you know since then he said everything's gone pretty smoothly and pretty rapidly. He said he feels already like uh you know like he's really ingrained in the program already. Like he's really part of the culture and all that. And um, I think you know Izzo definitely knew that uh, that it would be a pretty seamless transition, which is why he pushed so hard for him. Mm-hmm. You know in both recruiting situations. So. That's not really surprising to hear. Um, he's living with Thomas Kithier, Julius Marble, and uh, once the school year starts, he'll be living with Stephen Izzo, apparently, which mm. is going to be really interesting. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that was kind of cool to hear. And uh, he was asked, you know, what uh, Izzo told him about um, his role and everything. Obviously, not for this year, but moving forward. And I got the notes right in front of me here. He said, just a guy who can spread the floor, pick and pop, be able to handle the ball when I need to and just really make my teammates better and play well off of guys. So that's his words of uh, what he sees for his role when he does become eligible starting in 2020. Yep, and we'll definitely uh, look forward to that. But he did make his Moneyball debut, uh, and Moneyball um, has its positives and it has its negatives in terms of being able to take things from Moneyball and uh, actually put it into practice in the Big Ten. Uh, But just watching him play for the first time, in that setting, uh, you know, what type of player is he? Uh, what do people need to know about his abilities on the basketball court? Yeah, honestly, uh, he didn't have a, a great showing. I don't think it wasn't bad by any means, but he didn't he didn't come right in and wow everybody and, and blow your socks off. Um, you know, honestly, I think his you know I think the effort wasn't uh, you know dialed all the way up, which is fine. It, it isn't for a lot of those guys, for most of those guys. And he even mentioned. Um, you know, they're going through their workouts right now. They're doing their whole summer program. Yeah. And then a lot of guys are doing stuff on their own. And then Moneyball becomes, you know, the third or sometimes fourth uh, basketball thing of the day uh, for these guys. And he just moved, you know, and all that. So he's got a lot going on. And he definitely wasn't going full go. But you can see he moves well. You can see he's legit six nine, um, willingness to shoot, able to handle the ball a little bit, um, you know. Uh, he's going to be able to space the floor, and I think that's what you're really looking forward to in terms of his role on offense is 
doing a little bit of what we just saw Kenny Goins doing and uh, the pick and pop game and um, just a, a solid athlete all around. Like I said, really moves well. Uh, we'll see how he is in terms of a, a possession in, possession out defender, but he's got a whole year to work on that. But um, really nice looking offensive player with some room to grow. And like I said, he can handle it pretty well for a big guy, um, willing to step out. And uh seems like he's got a nice knack for rebounding too. So. Pretty pretty standard Michigan State big man skill set, honestly, with a with a good uh, shooting range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, as a freshman, average ten points, five rebounds, uh, coming off an ankle injury that had sidelined him from competitive basketball for a while. I don't think we have a ton of doubts uh, whether or not Joey Hauser can play, and given the the pedigree he has, his brother, the recruiting ranking he had, um, definitely not overly concerned about him being a good player at Michigan State. We just got to wait for it. Um, Stephen, thanks so much for making the time. Uh, as always, good stuff, and we'll catch up with you uh, down the road here after media day. So enjoy that, and don't uh, get punched in the face by Jim Harbaugh or anything like that. All right, I will do my best. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Take care, man. All right, thanks again to Stephen for joining the show. Uh, we're going to take another break here. When we get back, uh, I want to talk about Michigan State basketball and this face app mashup thing that has swept the nation uh, so we'll do that after this quick commercial break reminder, you can subscribe to locked on Spartans on the new Himalaya podcast app on Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, you can find locked on Spartans and you can subscribe. All right. Welcome back to segment three of today's locked on Spartans. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did. If you were on the internet, there's a new face app age challenge whatever that's going around and basically you put up a picture and it filters it and makes it look 30 or 40 years older and a lot of people were doing it yesterday and Michigan State did it Michigan State basketball account did it and I think the football account did it too uh they did it with Xavier Tillman with Jeremy (laughs) with Josh Langford not Jeremy Langford with Josh Langford with Kyle Arns and with Cassius Winston And uh, they said, you know, we bring back an experienced squad. You can see the tweet at uh, MSU underscore basketball. But that got me to thinking, uh, which of those players uh, would give you the most work at your local YMCA game? It's it's known throughout basketball circles. If there is an older guy, someone in his 50s, 60s, even 70s who, you know, looks like he's still in decent shape, shows up uh, to your local YMCA pickup game in a Mickey Mouse t-shirt and sweatpants, like those old sweatpants that have the elastic on the bottom, so they they hang tight on your ankles, and then they poof out a little bit. Um, You know, active sweatpants, if you will, and then some new balances that were bought in 2003. If that guy shows up to your local pickup game, uh, you need to get out of there because you are going to get some absolute work you are going to get finessed by uh, someone who is 30 or 40 years your senior if you're a younger guy or girl playing pickup game uh so that you know that that's a baseline knowledge that we all need to have going into this and so I'm looking through these pictures I see Xavier Tillman here um you know it's tough with the the basketball picture because Xavier Tillman has the body of an NBA player Currently, and then the face here makes him look like uh, he, he kind of looks like a, a retired military general. In this picture, the the hairdo, uh, the facial expression, he's like doing a primal yell type thing. He looks like a drill sergeant or an old retired general. He's someone I see as 
uh, you're going to get him the Paul in the post and he's just going to like back into you and back into you and back into you and back into you until you're backed out under the baseline. And then he's just going to turn and flip, flip it up in for an easy basket. Uh, I worry a little bit about the, uh, the, the injury risk because someone of that size, someone of that strength at that age, you know, they've been working out, working really hard for a long time in the body. The human body is just, you know, time is undefeated. It's going to break down a little bit. So maybe you can get that person gassed uh, a little bit easier that they rely more on power. And just as you age, power kind of dwindles. So maybe you can, after taking a few bad, uh, a few bad owls, uh, the first go around, I think you could, you know, get Xavier Tillman at age 67. Uh, you, you could get the better of him. Uh, Kyle Arns looks like a guy who has not played basketball in years. Looks like he used to have just a lethal jump shot, uh, but the beard combo makes him look like he's more of a into woodworking these days, and not like aggressive woodworking where you're making a chair or a table or something. He likes to make toys for his grandchildren, is what I see Kyle Arns is looking like with this face app. Um, so I'm not really worried about him. I think the aggression has long left. Uh, 70-year-old Kyle Arns, he's kind of just chilled, hanging out with the grandkids, having a good time. Uh, and, you know, if you get him to play a game of pig, maybe he can give you the business. But he just, you know, he hasn't gotten many shots up lately. So he's not a major threat. Uh, Cassius Winston looks just tired. And I think Cassius looks a little bit tired now, right? Casual Cash. Uh, we call him our sleepy point guard. And you add the age to his face, the wrinkles. He just looks tired. I think he's probably still a savvy basketball player, um, but he looks more coachish to me than someone who's going to show up at the Y and just crush you. Um, he looks like he could sit you down in front of a whiteboard and explain everything you ever need to know about basketball, but I don't think he's be, he's, he's going to be giving out business like that. I think he's going to be more spectating. His knees went out on him a long time ago, uh, and he's just he's there to watch these kids, right? Watch the next group of kids help mold the next generation of great basketball players with his beautiful basketball mind. Uh, that's what I say in Cassius, but when I look at Langford, when I look at Josh Langford, I get concerned for the local YMCA's out there. I see a guy who's got some age on him for sure. You know, uh, he's got some of the the silver fox going, a little bit of gray, but it's still there's still a little bit of darkness up there. Salt and peppery hair, some facial hair. The facial hair says active to me. It's not this old uh, grandpa beard. It's 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 kept up a little bit. So this this is a guy who's still trying out there, and just the demeanor, the look of him says to me. Do not mess with this guy. This guy's going to be banking in jumpers from the elbow for 97 straight hours if you play him in basketball. He, Josh has an old man game, and maybe that's influencing this a little bit. But Josh Langford's face, uh, face whatever this is called, face app, face mash, whatever, the, the aging filter on Josh Langford just makes him look like a seasoned veteran. Like he's been making baskets in situations where he shouldn't be making baskets for the last 50 years. Like he could walk out onto a court, stand anywhere and just know the geometry of how this ball needs to bank in off the glass in order to go in. He's got that goofy little dribble where he's just like, he's not going fast, but he knows where to keep it behind his hip. So you can't reach it. And once you do a move to kind of reach it around, he's like, whoop. And he just kind of swoops around and gets his quick little jumper up. It's an over the head jumper for sure. And he just knows all the little tricks uh, he gets his elbow out like he's got you on his hip and he's got his elbow into you and he just uses that little bit of leverage to get some space and just whoop, banks it in. 
he's a killer. He's an absolute killer. You do not want to go up against Josh Langford uh, with this, the, you know, 70 year old Josh Langford in the Y. If, if you see this picture and you're playing at your local Y, your local pickup game, wherever you're running, and you see this person walk in with an old t-shirt, an old tattered, loose fitting t-shirt and some sweatpants, uh, some high socks that you can't see because of sweatpants, but you know, they're under there. Uh, just get out of the way. Let him go. Do not let that person absolutely school you and ruin your basketball uh, mentality, ruin your basketball psyche, because he absolutely will. That dude is a stone cold killer on the court, and he will have 37 points on you in five minutes before you can even realize what happened. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back either tomorrow or early, like later tomorrow or early Friday with uh, all the interesting things that come out of Big Ten Media Day. Some interesting quotes, sound bites, whatever. Uh, I'll compile some stuff and we'll cobble together a show to get you into the weekend. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter 1L2 underscores. And thanks to Hotels.com for sponsoring today's episode. Back tomorrow with more Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.